You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the all-new first issue of the Uncanny Comic Book Informer. What's up, Raj? <laughs> You've been dying to do that for a while. Oh, you? I've been saving that. Are we going to talk about the the freaking Skull Kickers? We could mention it, yes. We're uh, going to mention it, who, at least. For those who aren't in on the joke, uh, our, one of our favorite comics, of course, is Skull Kickers. And those brilliant mad scientists, uh, Zub and uh, Edwin... Have decided that with the February issue 19, it's being relaunched as an all new uncanny skull kickers number one because what they were missing was adjectives. I was nearly in tears. I was laughing so much. I loved it. And we're going to have a little surprise for that come February. Um, so just make sure to stay tuned. And, and for all you collectors out there, don't worry. There's a variant cover with number 19 on the front. <laughs> oh, I'm this is joking. getting framed. I'm serious. This is so freaking getting framed on my wall. It is awesome. Anyway, as for today's show, uh, we are coming to you on Tuesday. We're two in a row on Tuesday. That's more than I would have expected us to handle. But November 27th, and we have a big Marvel Now uh, episode lined up this week because we've had a ton of the number ones coming out. Uh, overall, what's been your impression of the uh, Marvel Now thus far? Honestly, I, I'm not gonna. Lie. I'm gonna sound like the pessimist here, but as we discussed before, some of these it was like, eh, I personally not that thrilled about a lot of them. Uh, it's basically a reboot. They can say it's not all they want. It's a freaking reboot, and so a lot of them was like, well, and and it's coming off of the Phoenix event, which cared very little about, mm -hmm. but at least it's something new. It's not the Phoenix stuff. It's, it's at least new stuff. Um, overall they were fine. Most of the titles were fine. Nothing really jumped out and grabbed me except for the obvious one, which we're going to talk about. But I mean, there was just one that was like, I cannot wait to keep reading this friggin' comic book because it was that good. Um, the other ones were just like, they were good, but they were nothing spectacular. Yeah, of course, that there's that one we can point at, like, yeah, everybody should be reading this. But I mean, overall, for me, I'm actually really high on just about everything we're talking about today. Like, I've really enjoyed just about everything. Now, there's a go like, oh, I'm going to read this every No, I'm not going to read everything every month. I'm sorry. But going into this, like, after reading the first issue of the 52, you know, oh, yeah, how many really? of those did we immediately write off? Uh, at least thus far, Marvel has a better batting average than DC did. Yeah, but they're, they're still falling into the same pitfalls as they did as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's they're, some of the same mistakes that DC made, they're making as well. So, I mean, it's a hit or miss. And, and I don't want to put them all down because, again, even the ones that I wasn't like, ooh, about, I still enjoyed them. I just didn't think that they were groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. So let's dive on in, starting off with the new Iron Man number one, written by Kieran Gillen, with air quotes, art from Greg Land, because, oh, God. We've talked about Land previously with his work on Uncanny and how his complete lack of <laughs> character models just really destroys any emotional impact or even dialogue in some of these comics. Like, if you look at this issue of Iron Man, there's maybe three characters that are just copied and pasted throughout 
the entire thing. Like, well, that's ho- that's Emma Frost. Tell me yes. you weren't reading that thinking that's Emma. No, <laughs> no, it's just literally number is 13. Emma. He I mean, has drawn that exact same character as Emma Frost. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, I'm, I'm not ragging on the guy. It's documented proof that he recycles his own artwork. <laughs> I mean, if, if they hadn't told you that was Pepper Potts, would you have recognized oh God, her no. even remotely? Not no, even because close. she looks exactly like everything else, every other female Grey Gland has ever drawn. Even his Tony Stark was awful. With his weird creeper face in the entire issue, yeah, and yeah, and he's always got that same smile too. No, <laughs> I mean there there are some bits like the the armor bits look really cool. I mean, although again, it's heavily referenced from movie posters and such, or like the one scene where you know with the the explosion and the aim agent and all the flames. Like when Greg Land actually draws stuff, it comes out really good. Oh, but, more than really good. It's awesome. Yeah. But he, just all the shortcuts he takes ruin every comic he's on. Yeah, it's 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 funny because like you certainly don't want to imply that the man's not a good artist. Like he's freaking amazing when he wants to be, and I'm sure that some of it has to do, of course, with time restraints. I mean, if you're trying to bust out these comics mm. and you you're on a time frame, then yeah, you're gonna need to use shortcuts. But I mean. A lot of other artists don't use these shortcuts that are so glaringly noticeable. And, but yeah, yeah I, I, I was, it's a, when it's, it's to the happens. point where you think he's sitting down with Emma having a drink and then it's like, mm-hmm. that's not Emma. That's some freaking floozy. What the, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Every comic artist, you know, that puts out stuff on a deadline, they, they will return to previous references and stuff, but they'll at least, it doesn't look identical from one panel to another, let alone one issue to another. I mean, like, yeah, it, it, it's a thing that, you know, you have to do. You have, sometimes you have to cut a few corners to make that deadline. Perfectly understandable, but it, Land has turned it into an art form. An art form, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, On to the story itself. Uh, it's actually an interesting decision that Gillen made here, and one that I kind of understand, because as we know, uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and even where uh, the Invincible, uh, Matt Fraction's Invincible Iron Man left off, with Tony going into space. And starting off here, we're back on Earth where the space stuff is going to start in the second story arc. Like they, they just kind of want to flash forward a bit to what happens to Tony after he comes back to earth, because I can understand like their big draw here with Marvel now is to try to get the movie people to pick up the comics. And you're seeing a lot of that thematically, like Stark himself is written a little more similar to his movie counterpart than he has been previously. And you know, if you're a movie fan and you know you're picking up the new Iron Man number one, and all of a sudden Tony Stark's in space, it could be a bit jarring. So I can understand that at least for this first, you know, three or four issues, it's taking place on Earth before he does his big outer space adventure. Okay, I'm gonna wait till you're done so that we can actually talk about what we thought of it then. <laughs> so the actual issue itself is delving back into. Uh, the extremis uh, virus, techno virus, whatever it's referred to, that uh, Sark has been dealing with uh, for quite a while now, going back to uh, when Warren Ellis was writing Iron Man way back, you know, six, eight years ago. It's been a while. But it, it's basically a, a virus that upgrades a human being, it basically gives them, you know, powers and stuff, but it's kind of malleable. You can program it, if you will. Like, when Stark himself took the extremists, which at this point, I don't know if it's even still in his body. It's been redone so many times, but it basically turned him, his body and his brain into a super supercomputer all its own. But of course, all these other forces are weaponizing it. And 
Stark has a very personal interest in it as the person who invented extremists is somebody very close to him. And he doesn't want to see the virus being used for these evil purposes. So he's kind of taking it on as his personal crusade to eradicate it. And that's at least what we're starting off with here. Like, as a first issue, it, it was a lot of, you know, Tony sitting around in bars and clubs and stuff and not so much Iron Man. But I'm all right I, with that. Yeah, I, it, it set up a, a decent storyline. Yeah, I I was all right with it. In fact, like, I I enjoyed this one more than issue two actually, and I like that they're setting up something that um, that will be easy to follow across multiple issues. Listen, this is the problem right now. The goal is there's X amount of these extremist viruses out in other people. So, you know, every few issues you're going to be going after a different guy who's got one. So it's a, a clearly defined story arc and, and I'm all right with that. I, I kind of liked it. It's just that it, it wasn't a flashbang number one mm -hmm. extravaganza. It was just, this could have been part of any story arc as yeah. the issue was going on. And, and as, as a first issue, I would have thought that you really would have pushed a lot harder for something much more jarring, much more fantastic to read, engaging and everything, which is, again, not to say that this was bad by any stretch of the imagination. I was actually just talking about this on Twitter with Joe today because he was saying he really liked it and he liked the direction that they're writing um, Stark in and whatnot. And I was saying, you know what, it, it's not bad, but it's not anything that really caught my attention that much. Mm -hmm. And again, with the second issue as well, it was like it was good, but certainly not phenomenal so yeah, i don't want to spend too much time on the second issues because we have enough ground to cover on the first issues but i, I actually did mentioning like it a lot of the stuff in the second issue like especially as he was you know fighting the extremist counterparts and their powered suits because it's a lot of what gillen was doing when he was on x-men of taking the established you know power set and doing unique things with it that we've never seen before. Like when he was fighting uh lancelot in the second issue and he was using the repulsors for the uh you know, powered suit hand-to-hand -hand combat in ways that we have not seen previously in comics and how Stark was counteracting everything they were doing in creative ways. I, I really enjoyed you know, the spin and twist on what we traditionally see in an Iron Man comic. Yeah, again, it wasn't bad, but yeah. it wasn't enough that I'm going to be going back to it on a regular basis. Put it that Especially way. Especially with the artwork. <laughs> well... I can live with the artwork. I, I'm not going to lie. It's 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 not that bad. It's it's jarring and it's noticeable, but it's not that bad that it really takes me completely away from the story. So I, I can live with it. And especially when you take into consideration the panels that are justifiably spectacular. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to give them probably more leeway than you are on this one. Yeah, I, I've been reading terrible Greg Land comics for almost a decade now. I'm, I'm kind of sick of it. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to all new X-Men number one oh, by Brian oh. Michael Bendis oh. and Stuart Imonen, and I'm just going to let you run with this. It's so freaking awesome. You know what's funny is that we we talked about this when it uh, it was announced. Of course, I mean, everybody was talking about it when it was first announced, and it was one of those, you're, you're taking a shortcut, and it's one of those, I, I find it hard to, um, to, to want to accept that shortcut because it's a writing shortcut, and it's just work with the continuity that we have and, and that way there's consequences and whatnot, but it's written in such a way too, that you really feel the consequences. So for folks who haven't read it, um, what's happening now is that especially beast, there's a lot going on with beast who's going oh, into the next, um, 
evolution, next stage of his evolution, which I can't wait to see where he's taken that. Whether it's going to be, baby... <laughs> he might be taking it to the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. It's hard to tell if it's going to be like baby steps or he's actually working it to to make it seem like this is going to be huge. But that's going to mean mean changing beast in a huge way, the canon for that character. So. That's good. I like that. Let's let's really shake it up. Damn it. Let's shake it up and um, and really try to see where we can go with the character in a new way. Because Beast had kind of gotten a little stale. He was still awesome, still a fantastic character, but that bitterness that was in him with with Scott, even before the freaking Phoenix issue um the the bitterness was starting to get a little annoying at times and so and and the character himself too there wasn't enough going on to really make him engaging enough in some issues some he was great uh like that one in space where he got shot dear lord that was awesome man (laughs) but here we got like it takes that to the nth degree so he's got his own things to deal with here with the not knowing what next stage of evolution he's going to be having to deal with on top of that he is also he's the foremost um genius in terms of mutation so it's not like he can turn to reed richards and say hey can you give me a hand with this he knows more than richards in terms of mutations and whatnot so he's basically on his own and he's trying to keep it to himself so that he's not weighing down the team now on top of that he's having to put up with what is going on and with the rest of the team of course with um What's going on with all of the new mutants that are coming out, but more so than that, Scott's actions with Magneto and um, Emma and Emma, Magic. Uh, magic. Um, because you saw that if you read Consequences, which if you did, you poor bastards. But um, you saw that they've got their own little team there that they're going to just go out and basically try to help quote unquote new mutants. But, um, but Pretty again... Pretty much pure supervillain at this point. Yeah. So... So he's having to deal with, with that as well. So what he decides is that the only person that can really help Scott smarten up is Scott. Scott ain't going to listen to anybody else except for maybe Scott, which I will know he won't. But anyways, (laughs) so he goes back in time, um, Beast goes back in time to find the original X-Men of which he was a part of the scene where he goes in, uh, he goes to a time when he knows that himself in that time is going through quite a bit of emotional upheaval and he's almost done with the X-Men and everything like that. And he pops in just at that time. Now, I don't know about you, but the scene where he meets himself brilliantly freaking written, it was just phenomenal. It was, it was what you would expect from both the characters from the different Mm -hmm. timelines. It was fun to read and and again the whole thing is written in such a way that the problem that i personally had with it of again you're there's no consequences when you start messing around with timelines and all that he's writing it in such a way that there are huge consequences to messing around with the timelines here so i'm this was this this went above and beyond what i was hoping for i'm so impressed with this You've been holding that in for a whole Dude, week. Dude, I've been holding this in since it came <laughs> out. <laughs> I just exploded yeah, I, all over the mic. I really have nothing to add because, yeah, it's brilliant all around. Oh, Although I, I do have to say, Stuart Imonen, oh. pure god mode. Like, come on. It's it's almost not fair. <laughs> the art in this is is 
incredible. Again, like I said last week, I think that they were a little heavy-handed with the inking. Uh, nothing too bad, but I think it was a, a little heavy-handed. But, I mean, the art is, and the colors, everything, it works together so well. Like, the shots of freaking Beast, right at the beginning, screaming out in pain on the floor and everything. Oh, beginning to end awesome you got some of these huge one page panels or across a couple of pages that are just jaw dropping yeah i mean they need to keep him on this <laughs> this comic and this one alone is the only one i care about yeah shout it's, out to uh wade von Graubedger and marte gracia for the uh, rest of the art team yeah yeah this absolutely it, it, the, the team could not possibly be any better for this put it that way yeah, this is by far the uh, high watermark of Marvel now to this point. And <laughs> you know what? If something if something can eclipse this, that would be an accomplishment. At this point, with one issue, and then thinking about okay, if this is this good, what do we have to look forward to for the rest of this issue or series? I should say, this is ranking easily in perhaps even top five of the comics of the year for me that I think it mm -hmm. was my expectations are now that high based on this issue alone. See, he's kind of fallen into a, a, sort of a routine over the last few years, but Brian Michael Bendis uh, is reminding people why he's Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's got the skills. All right. Uh, touching briefly on the other X-Men comic that's launched, X-Men Legacy Number 1 by Cy Spurrier. Er, Spy, Go again. Go Cy again. I dare Spurrier you. <laughs> and Tan Angwat. And this is, as we uh, discussed previously, following Legion and how he's coping with things now that his father and really the guy who was helping hold him together is out of the picture, uh, being Charles Xavier, of course. Because Legion has the interesting issue of he has pretty much any power imaginable. Unfortunately, each of those powers is bound to a different personality inside of his head, and most of them are not very friendly. And I, I just really enjoyed this issue, uh, all the looks into, you know, how Legion is trying to cope with his uh, unfortunate predicament. And I loved the little uh, monastery and, you know, how, you, how you're expecting the monk to, you know, be your traditional monk. And, you know, he's just the, the twist they put on that, how he was a pretty cool character for what brief time he was in the issue. But uh, again, this is another one of those comics that's like, oh my God, it's so great, but I really enjoyed it. I actually thought it was very good. The, the, almost the entirety of the issue, of course, is all on him so that they can really establish that character because he's going to be important to the series. So I can see how, um, how they really had to spend a lot of time just on him for this first issue. That said, though, I'm going to be interested to see now how they're going to interact him with the rest of the team mm -hmm. that's going to be part of this issue, because that's what's going to be telling as to whether or not the series is going to be fun to read. Not So this wasn't as telling to me of what the quality of the series as a whole is going to be, because this was just him by himself it was very interesting although for anybody who does not know the character would have at least at yeah, the beginning been it's... confusing as hell <laughs> uh, but i mean if you know the character it made it interesting to see how in his mind he deals with all of these personalities yeah i really like this because legion is such a unconventional character that i like that this comic is going to be something pretty different from just about anything else out there yeah yeah again for me it's just going to be how he is dealing with other people because it's obviously he's going to be the focus so and, i will see 
And also to balance that out, uh, Hwat has a very unconventional style, at least amongst, you know, traditional superhero comics. But that I think it really builds off of and and it lends itself to Legion as a character. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, next up, we've got Fantastic Four number one by Matt Fraction and Mark Bagley. And of course, we were huge, huge fans of the Hickman Fantastic Four. And this was at least pretty good. <laughs> you know, it, they, there's a lot to be seen, but it definitely starts off in a kind of, whoa, that sort of similar to what we saw in uh, all new X-Men of how Reed's body is breaking down and, you know, the, the source of their powers might be failing them. So they got to do something about that. This was good because it really, just like the, the other one that we were just talking about, it really sets up where the series is going to go from here. So there's there's a very clear line of these are the bad things that are happening right now, and this is the direction that we're going to take by just taking off with the kids kind of thing. So it's really opening itself up to the potential for uh, unlimited types of adventures and whatnot that they're going to be on. So again, it's going to be... Um, I don't want to say loosey-goosey, but there's just so many different types of things that he's going to be able to do by virtue of the fact that it's just we're getting in this boat and we're going. So so I like that, but I don't know what that means then for any interactions that they're going to have with other superheroes mm-hmm. and things like that. And that was always one of the things that was fun reading too when they are doing stuff with Spider-Man and whatnot or with the Avengers. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from there. But I mean... Again, the characters in and of themselves are strong enough to carry the comic even without guest appearances from other villains or heroes or whatever. I love when Reed's, you know, running the analysis and the result is that there's nothing in the known universe that can help. And he's like, the known universe, you say. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, this is just definitely going to be out there. And, of course, we have the terrible visions that Franklin's having of their future and how if they go into space, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to Franklin because <laughs> we, we were worried going in of, you know, what's going to happen with all the kids because they're not in FF, obviously. And so they're just packing up all the kids, shooting them out into space. And I, I loved the scenes, you know, where, you know, we forget Franklin's like six years old yep. still. And, you know, at sometimes he just wants his mommy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was very good. And I think that this was important to see, too, because of having spent so much time, so much time with the adult Franklin that you, like you said, forget how young he actually is. So, no, it was a great issue. Mm-hmm. OK, Captain America, number one by Rick Remender and John Romita Jr. Going in, Remender said it was going to be a complete 180 from everything Brubaker did. And he wasn't lying. I mean, this was he, a throwback to, you know, the old sci-fi adventures Cap used to have back in like the 70s and 80s, uh, where, I mean, right off in this first issue, talk about starting things off with a bang. Cap gets sucked into Dimension Z, you know, chained up and experimented on by Arnim Zola, who is just one of the more crazy villains that uh, Cap has floating around out there. And it destroys a lab, runs off with a cloned baby. Like, this was so over-the-top ridiculous, I couldn't help but love it. Well, I like where he's setting this up for as well, because this Dimension Z, we got damn near a post-apocalyptic setting here that you're going to have Cap in with this baby, giving it this whole lone wolf and cub in mm-hmm. a, a post-apocalyptic setting type of thing. So I was really digging that. So he's got me. I'm, I'm, I'm in for the run. And like I said, Cap is always an interesting character for this setup. And it's why it worked so well back when Kirby was doing it, where I mean, he's 
you know, kind of a normal guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. He's, he's really strong. He's really fast and all that, but you know, he doesn't have energy blasts. He can't fly. So the more insane and over the top of the situation you put him in, the more interesting it is to see how he can captain America his way out of it. Yeah. And uh, did you see the, uh, the preview for you know, the second issue, the little cover oh, art? Yes. Where this isn't, you know, he's not just kind of hanging out for a week. The kid's already grown up. He's got, Cap's got long hair, which just doesn't look right. <laughs> so, I mean, this is going to be, you know, an ongoing thing for at least a while. And it's going to be so interesting to see him interacting with this far off dimension. I love I, it. I think it's awesome. I really, really, and again, it's, it's one of those two where, I mean, based not just on the strength of this issue, but on the fact that it's Reminder. Having just come off of Uncanny X-Force, having seen the insanity that he put those characters through, knowing he's going to do the same thing to Rogers. And it was like, <laughs> good, I want to see this. I, I can't wait to see it. And, you know, going in, one of my main concerns was uh, Ramita's artwork. Not because Ramita's a bad artist, just because his style has changed so much over, you know, the last couple of years. And everything that's kind of out of costume it definitely looks like something straight out of Kick-Ass just because you know, that's the style he's been working yeah. with lately. But once you get into Dimension Z, you know, you, you can't keep that same feel. And when Cap's in costume and just throwing the shield around and punching dudes in the face, it, it works. I actually didn't mind the um, the art resembling, of course, the Kick-Ass style yeah. either. I, I'm cool with it. I really It, it works better for Cap than it does for, say, the Avengers. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and for this type of story as well. The coloring is absolutely phenomenal throughout it all, too. Like, no, this was, I really enjoyed the artwork in this. Mm -hmm. All right. Next, we have Indestructible Hulk number one by Mark Wade and Lenel Yu. And as I've said many times, I'm really traditionally not a fan of solo Hulk adventures. There's, there's just never been much there to interest me aside from, you know, a few standout runs like we talked about in Planet Hulk. But again, as a first issue, as a setup, this was some cool stuff because we see Banner manning up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is like, stepping up. I love the part where he's, in, you know, in the diner with Maria and she's kind of spazzing out because there's all this chaos going on. And he's himself getting angry because he's realized, you know, how much of his life he's wasted you know, trying to deal with the Hulk, you know, and how jealous he is of guys like Hank Pym and Reed Richards and Tony Stark that, you know, they get to be these great scientific heroes when he's just as smart, if not smarter than them and how he's trying to come up with a solution to deal. He's like, I can't get rid of the Hulk. I'm tired of trying to get rid of the Hulk. The best I can do is point him in the right direction. <laughs> and bravo. You know what? Because kind of tired that and especially with the last run of the Hulk and that being the constant back and forth with the insane freaking banner. It was like that got to be way too much and it was it was downright stupid at points. So to see this here where it's an acceptance of who he is and let's just find other things that we can, you know, other ways of being creative about it and using it to our advantage and all that. I I really enjoyed this actually quite a bit. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's been a lot of talk because in all the promotional images for Marvel now, it showed Hulk wearing, you know, armor. And they were just like, oh, that's terrible. Why does Hulk need to wear armor? Well, now we're realizing Hulk doesn't need the armor. But when Hulk stops being Hulk, 
Banner's probably going to be in some situations where he wouldn't mind some armor. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least some clothes. (laughs) Yeah. So it's taking Hulk in a different direction and one that, at least for now, I'm on board with. Yeah, yeah. And I like that there's going to be more interactions between him and Hill. I kind of like that. I I, want to see more of of Hill. So I'm, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the dynamics between the two of those two together as well as they were, because and she doesn't Coulson, put up with crap either. Colson was in it. Yes. <laughs> Colson lives. And, and again, as has been the theme, uh, Linnell Yu's artwork was again, very, very good on this issue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Touching ever so briefly on it, because you said you'd read it. We have Deadpool Hmm. uh, written by Brian Posehn and Jerry Dugan with art by Tony Moore. And you didn't hate it. You know what is funny? Again, I was talking about this with uh, with Joe today on Twitter. And uh, first one was I will even say the first one was good. I'm not going to say it was great. Phenomenal. No, 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 no. But it was actually Good. It was the best Deadpool comic I've read in a long time. Let's and put it that way. I Solo. even, I even liked the crazy art style. It was, I, I, I liked it as well. Who's that? That's Dugan, I believe. Right. That's Tony Moore. No, was it? Was it? Yeah, well, Posehn and Dugan are co-writing. Dugan are co-writing. That, that's right. Moore. Sorry. Yeah. Like the art style. It worked. The colors were phenomenal on this too. So yeah, no, it was good. And the story again, good. Then I read issue two, and it was like. <laughs> Okay, well, we're back to hating Deadpool. Back back to slapstick, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, it just didn't do anything for me at all. Which is too so, bad because I like the premise as well. Freaking premise, crazy as hell. <laughs> so it has the potential to be fun and funny based on the premise alone without turning it into slapstick. And I think that that's the constant battle that they have with this character and all the time with the various issues. Like the character can be funny without being stupid. And that's hey, come what... On. When he first faces off with FDR and he announces to the crowd, like, just for the record, the guy was in the wheelchair before. Yeah. <laughs> the guy in the wheelchair started the fight. And I was like, see, that is, you know, the, the good kind of humor instead of, you know, some of the more ridiculous stuff there were some phenomenal lines okay. throughout and even the second one the the fashion i'm taking fashion advice from a guy <laughs> with pouches on his thigh <laughs> so i mean the maybe two was just the you know yeah there, maybe it's not going to be that bad there's definitely a lot more potential here than you know the danny way deadpool comics because yeah. those were i just i with very, very few exceptions, I did not enjoy that entire run at all. I'm, I'll read three and hope that two is just a misstep and that it'll be as good as one kind of thing. And if we're finding out that, no, this is going to be what this Deadpool is, then I'll be done reading it. Which is too bad because I really kind of dug the first one. <laughs> so you're happy I didn't make you read Thor. Dude, I read Thor. You read Thor. I read Thor just so that you would get off my freaking back about it. I, I, I was not going to, you were, to push you, you at all. You never let it go that I don't read freaking Journey into Mystery, and all, which I read too. I read that one as well. Oh, the new one doesn't count. Oh, dude, it was bad. <laughs> I, I haven't even read the new one. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> but I read Thor number one. Freaking okay. Goldilocks. Okay, Okay, brief thoughts. Um, I get what they're going with, with the character that they're checking out variety of timelines. So some of the times he's not going to be an interesting character. He's just going to be, you know, the bragging about how many beers he's drank and women he's 
banged. All right, fine. I can put up with that. Um, there were interesting aspects as it was going along. Um, and then when he's finding out what happened on that other planet with the gods and all that, I'm thinking, okay, well, nothing groundbreaking for sure, but this will be interesting. This will, it'll be fine. And, and it's, it's following a script. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. seriously following the script of what this kind of story should be and each step of the way, definitely without a doubt doing that. So that's really kind of taken away some of it for, for me. And again, even later on, the character is, I just don't like the character that much. And mm-hmm. that hasn't changed here. See, as a Thor fan, you know, as, I'm not going to jump on, oh, this was amazing. Uh, by the way, uh, written by Jason Aaron, art by uh, Isad Rebic. I, I liked it. I thought, I thought it was, you know, handled very, very well. The fact that, you know, he's giving Thor three distinct voices across the eras and, you know, seeing the growth of the character in, betwe- in, in between the times, I can appreciate that. It's definitely something that, the premise is really solid and I'm, I, I, even me, I'm going to wait to read some more before, you know, I can fully decide on it. Cause basically we got, you know, a third of three different stories here. So I seeing how they handle the multiple timeline thing across a series of issues and how the story plays off each other is going to be very telling for this comic. Yeah. I, this was not nearly strong enough for me to care about future issues at all. But I would expect that from you because you don't care about the character. I don't care about that's, the character. That's perfectly and, and, fine. And and if the character had been written even slightly differently, and uh, then I would have been more into it and more willing to follow along for future issues. But then it, it's not even just the character. It's how formulaic the story is as mm-hmm. well. So it's like, eh, I don't know. Not really. All right. Well. Four was actually part of my uh, what we're reading, but since you read it as well, I figured we'd throw it in there. there uh, as for the other half of my what we're reading, uh, I haven't read that many other comics other than what we talked about here lately. But in my free time, I've been reading Fear Agent, which uh, is one of Rick Remender's older series uh, when he was with Image and later Dark Horse. Uh, and it's cool to see even back then he was working with Tony Moore and Jerome Opeña. And we've seen him work with Moore on Venom and Frankencastle and Opeña quite frequently uh, on Uncanny X-Force. And this series is so much fun. Like it's, it's a big sci-fi epic. Like it's cool reading this and then reading Captain America number one. I can see a lot of those similar influences where it's, it's sci-fi, but it's not like, it's not Star Trek sci-fi. It's, you know, kind of that old 1950s sci-fi aesthetic where, you know, just things are over the top and, you know, so crazy. And then, it's it's a lot of that same feeling uh, from the Captain America. I've read about I think eighteen issues. I picked up uh, the hardcover. It was on sale a while back, and I finally just started flipping through it when I had a little bit of time while I was trying not to fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> but it, it, it's actually really fun, and uh, Heath Houston is a really cool character. I mean, he starts off as basically an intergalactic exterminator, uh, you know, going around ratting out various infestations across planets. But then as the character grows over the course of the series. And we see exactly, you know, why he left Earth, what has happened to Earth, you know, the the things this character has done. And at the time, every single decision he made made perfect sense. But, you know, issues later, when all these things are coming back to bite him in the butt, you know, he's like, OK, things have gotten worse because of his actions. But it's just a really cool series. And uh, it's cool to see, you know, a writer that we really love and really respect today, you know, kind of where he started off. Because this came out in God, like 2005, 2006, somewhere around there. And like this was really one of his first, you know, big series because with with image and stuff. So it's really cool to see, you know, old school Remender compared to modern day Remender. Cool. I, I haven't read that. I'll have to check it out. 
Yeah. And uh, that's what I had. So uh, what have you got for us this week? Okay. Did you read any more of the uh, number 14s for the uh, Death in the Family with uh, Batman? I have not looked at them. Oh, no? Okay, because they're actually not bad. I actually... And I even read the ones that we don't like. Okay? <laughs> so I read Red Hood and the Outlaws, which that one was kind of like, eh, not, not as big a deal. I read The Catwoman, which was, again, eh, not as big a deal. Um, the the Batgirl was actually good. The Batgirl was interesting. Um, creepy as hell at points. Um, but it was it was kind of cool. Um, and then the Batman and Robin was uh was interesting as well and the even the nightwing i thought was 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 well done and then of course the batman himself but i mean that's the the crown jewel right there yeah batman number 14 oh i did read batman number 14 i I wouldn't let that one wait (laughs) yeah no oh my god that was so bloody (laughs) awesome but i mean even the other ones were fairly fairly good like i mean i'm not gonna give high props to sorry but catwoman and stuff but no it was uh I it I really like where this little story arc is going. It's it. See, I haven't read it myself, but it's cool to see. You know, when there's a bigger spotlight shined on the uh, the smaller comics, they they're at least appearing to rise to the occasion. Because a lot of the uh, the the Night of the Owl stuff was pretty pretty good too. Oh, it was very good in the other ones. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, for folks who were wondering last week, I was talking about the Arkham City stuff, and I I, I flubbed there. I, it's Batman Arkham Unhinged that I've been reading, not Arkham City, obviously. It just takes place in Arkham City. That's why it was stuck mm-hmm. in my head. Um, I got caught up on those two. There was a couple more. They were quite good. Um, I read a crap load of other ones, but the only ones that I'm going to mention, um, did you get caught up on Amazing Spider-Man? Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> my, it's, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, first of all, Perhaps you're aware of something that I'm not because I don't always read up on all the news. I just read the freaking <laughs> comics and enjoy them. Um, it seems like a lot of effort and a lot of advertising dollars were put towards this alpha character, which damn near seems to have been written off. You haven't seen him for quite mm-hmm. a few episodes now. He or issues. He was in a few and then powers damn near all taken away and characters out of sight, out of mind now. I'm kind of wondering if that's maybe the point, though. Okay. Maybe it didn't go over as well as it was supposed to? No. Maybe they want us to forget about him. Okay. Okay. So that when he does come back, it's it's got some impact to it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because it was like, hmm, I don't know. And, and then... Like, like I said in, in the top five, in slot, we trust. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> See, this is where... <laughs> okay. Spoiler. If you have not read this, um, stop listening, skip ahead a few minutes, whatever. I'm talking about it, all right? So he has said uh, time and time again, it's going to be a different Spider-Man, different Parker. Um, Didn't say it was going to be a different body. Yeah. um, (laughs) So at this point here, I'm thinking, okay, well, this was only issue number 698. You would have thought this kind of a reveal would have been the final reveal. So this is a starting point. (laughs) This is this. Well, yes and no. Again, I thought that when he was talking, he said, when you get through to the end of the final issue, you'll go, ah, and then you'll be all right with it kind of thing. Whereas right now it's kind of, again, I would have thought up in the air. This is fairly clearly defined. So for folks who haven't read it again, stop listening. I'm talking about it. So you find out that somehow... Dr. Octopus managed to switch the, the, the mind, the essence, the soul, whatever of himself from his body and 
Parker so that he is in Peter Parker's body and vice versa. And then at the end, he croaks and he, I mean, of course, Doc Ock. So, so having seen everything that they quote unquote set up for this, that it's a different Parker, how often can really in a few issues, his body get freaking taken over by somebody else. I'm thinking this is what we're working with here. And it's going to be Doc Ock who's in his body. And I'm thinking, I read this and I thought, okay, first of all, first of all, and not, not that I have a lot of issues with this, but I might, um, first of all, the, uh, it's out of nowhere. And I hate when people do that. It's a cheat. You haven't set it up. I mean, I was just reading issues 97, 697, 96. There's no, not even a hint that this is happening. And then, boom, 698, you can, you, the, the, the foreshadowing is there throughout that issue that this isn't your normal Parker. This is somebody else in his body or something's going on here kind of thing. Um, he sells it well that it could just be Parker's having a good day. He's being a little full of himself, but, uh, but it makes That's sense. That's not allowed. End. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> but it's out of nowhere. And I hate when they do that crap. And then when he says at the end, and just like a good magician who never reveals his trick, you're going to die, never know. And I'm thinking, that's a cheat as well. You better explain how this happened and when it happened, because otherwise it's a cheat. It's a writing cheat that you use so that you don't have to make sense of it. It's just, bloop, there it is. I hate that crap. I hate that crap. And so I got that problem. A, number one, if you got something to say, you can wait a minute. I'm not done ranting yet. And then after that, the idea that, and, and maybe there's time to change. We still got two issues. Maybe it'll change. Um, I don't like the idea of Doc Ock, especially, which is not an interesting enough character in his body. The whole point of Spider-Man and the whole point of enjoying that series is because of him that character, that type of character that is so relatable for everybody. So now you're taking that away and you're putting this egomaniac, psychotic character that we're supposed to care about throughout whatever time span this is going to last. So I was all right with it being somebody different that we could be rooting for still in a different kind of way. But this is like, if this is what it's going to be, it was like, hmm, this is going to be a hard sell for slot for me right now based on this alone. Okay, you can talk now. I am making no judgments at this point. You aren't. Really? No. Seriously? After that issue? Oh, I'm a little less uh, emotional about the whole pull the rug out from under you deal. Just, uh, like I said, slot has not led me wrong. And <laughs> I'm on board until he proves to me well, that I shouldn't be. I'll keep reading it, but I might not be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put it to you this way. I did not like this issue. Not not to say like I'm going to be one of the crazy freaking fans that throw tomatoes oh at God. him at a thing. No, no. But to, to look at it objectively and what it is and the writing throughout and whatnot, I did not enjoy the issue. I didn't think it was particularly strong beginning to end. And I don't like how, again, that that bringing something out of nowhere. I don't. It's a cheat, so I don't like that. So I don't know. I'm based on that. I really didn't enjoy this. See, that's a big difference between you and me, and that's something I like about you know our, our relationship here is, at least in this situation thus far, I'm completely unable to take this objectively. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and and you know there there are times many times uh, as we've seen over the previous 101 issues that you know sometimes my my fanboy overrides my rational thought so <laughs> I, I and i try to keep that in check for most series there's very few series where i'll just read them and not care kind of thing it has to be something that i'm lending you so much disbelief already as is don't take that for granted and he did and i hate him a little bit for it. <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be hilarious a month from now where you're like i'm sorry dad i'm sorry I was dad wrong. please forgive me i'll send you flowers <laughs> <laughs> all right that anything else happen. i got lots else but you know what we're running along so i'll cut it out at that all right then so as for this week's new releases from marvel whole lot of marvel now going on we have all new x-men number two ff number one i'm not so excited about, about that one yeah uh we have the final issue of new avengers with number 34 we have secret avengers number 34 although that's not the final issue just yet we have thor god of thunder number two ultimate x-men number 19 finally uncanny avengers number two venom 27.1 uh, x-men legacy number two and extreme x-men number seven for DC, another one of those weeks where all I'm looking at is Flash number 14 and Talon number two. Not even any um, Death of the Family stuff I can throw on there this week. Yeah. All right. And for the other guys from IDW, good week for them. They have Godzilla number seven, as well as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 16. You can't plus say it like Roger's that, new favorite you need comic. To say it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You need to get into it. <laughs> I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> Well, as I said, Roger's new favorite comic, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number one. You know what? Tart is going to make us have to talk about that one week. <laughs> it's, it, as much as I'm going to hate it, I think, I think we should, just for comedy <laughs> <sake>. Comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, we have a good lineup from Image this week. We have Chew, number 30, oh, the dude. big wedding issue. Uh, oh. Fatal, number 10, and the new number one of Witch Doctor, Malpractice. Um, I think that's going ongoing now after the original miniseries was so successful, and I really did enjoy it. So that's all we've got here this week for Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. And until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>